In this episode of The Ziggler Show, we talk about the hard work of positive thinking. Uh, Zig Ziggler, he was the royal king of positive thinking, and I play a clip where he shares its power in our lives, but also the reality that it won't enable us to do absolutely everything. To take it further, I ask our audience this question. Do you feel someone is either inherently positive and hopeful, or they choose to be? Well, Tom Ziegler joined me. We read through some of the comments, and of course, most people say they think positive thinking is a choice, but what came out is due to our upbringing and our past and our other predispositions, even genetic to a degree, our brains are more or less hardwired to think positively and be able to readily accept our efforts to choose positivity and hope. I mean, these are real issues, and I believe the episode will enable you to better engage with and benefit uh, from your own striving to increase positive thinking and hope in your life. Welcome, everyone. I'm Kevin Miller. I host three podcasts where we have candid discussions regarding the root issues of personal change and growth. This is Ziggler Show, ranked number two in all-time career podcasts and Apple podcasts. And our focus is growing your professional success by helping you grow into your full capacity. In my Motive podcast, it's devoted to the reasons that drive you. In episode 30, I walk you through why your achievements are so profound to your motive and your drive and how to better view them in the priority of your life and fulfillment. In my True Life podcast, it's aimed at getting you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. In episode 72, how to have a healthy relationship with your food. The truth is we all do have a relationship with our food and it is a root issue to all our pursuits of health and wellness and they're either helping or handicapping you. You can find all three shows in Apple Podcasts by searching Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit Ziggler.com slash coach and connect with Tom Ziggler about becoming a Ziggler coach. Now, what is this thing we call positive thinking? What is this thing called motivation? There's so much confusion about it that I want to spend a few minutes here going into some of it. Positive thinking, in my judgment, is an optimistic hope not necessarily based on any facts, that you can move mountains. I've seen mountains moved with positive thinking. Now, positive believing is the same optimistic hope, but this time based on a reason for believing that you can move those mountains. You see, what I want to do in raising positive kids is give you more than positive thinking. I want to give you reasons for believing that you can raise positive kids. Let's think seriously together for a moment. This is profound. Positive thinking won't let you do anything. It would be insane for me to think that with positive thinking at age 59 that I could play on a National Basketball Association team or an NFL football team. It'd be ridiculous for me to think that with positive thinking I could run General Motors. No, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it will let you do everything better than negative thinking will. What positive thinking? Go ahead, I got time. (laughs) 
What positive thinking will do is it will let you use your ability. What positive thinking does, I repeat, is let you use that which you already have. How many of you adults have ever, when you were a student in school, taken a test and you walk out and somebody says, how'd you do? And you say, daggone it all, I can't believe I forgot that formula. I had it down pat. I went over it 14 times last night. And when I got in there, I couldn't. How many of you know exactly what I'm talking about? Okay. The reason you forgot is you were following instructions that you gave yourself before you went in. You know what you instructed yourself to do? You instructed yourself to forget. As you walked in, you said, boy, I hope I don't do on this one what I did on the last one. It seemed like every time I go in there and take a test, I just tighten up. I can't take tests. I, I, for some reason, I forget. And what you're doing is you're instructing yourself. Now, the kids and I can are learning in the beginning that when they go in there, they say, well, man, am I glad I have prepared for this test. You see, if you haven't studied the lesson, I don't care how positive you get. The thinking ain't going to generate the answer. <laughs> but what the thinking will do is release the answer. That's what it will do. That's the reason 46% of the kids who take that course make better grades in their other subjects. You see, one of the great missing ingredients in life today is hope. And if a youngster does not think he can learn or does not think he can pass, he won't study. Now, we change their attitude, convince them they can study, that they can get a job, that they can get ahead, that they can do something, convince them they can learn, and then they'll open the books and study. It's the attitude change that got them in the books. It's the working that produced the results. I still haven't said it's easy. It is not. But positive thinking will release what you know and it will let you do better than negative thinking will at any time. Tom, asking this question about positive thinking and even being hopeful, being, you know, by choice or not, obviously we've got a biased audience who is used to hearing these types of messages and the majority, and I'll, I'll go through some of those, but a majority said they believe it is choice. And I do as well. I know you do that in, in you know, by, it, by, by the, for the most part is choice, but I also know it's easy to say, yes, we believe that and hard to walk it out anyways. And wanted to really start there on the other side of talking about some of the struggles that we may, even if we think and want to think that it's by choice, some of the struggles that we have actually walking it out that are influenced by well, in, influenced by a few things. So I'm gonna, I've got a couple categories here. And one, it, Jennifer here, she says, my experience has led me to believe that it is inherent. I've seen people choose to go against their nature and try to be positive, but it's a fight for them. It's like teaching a lefty to write with their right hand. They can do it, but it doesn't come naturally and it isn't uh, legible. So interesting there, uh, Brian Gross talked about mental health issues. In fact, impacting that people who are really struggling with depression, struggling with some things because of traumas in their uh, in their life, maybe because of some chemical and, you know, and, and genetic type of, of issues. So I'm going to put that into kind of a, a propensity issue. And then we had a good number. Chris, Mark, Daniel uh, here talk about I'm going to call it programming. Okay, I'm going to call it, let's talk about, you know, kind of uh, uh, nature versus nurture. Chris Johnson, he says, 
Uh, you see it in children. Some are just happier and more positive than others. Some are difficult from birth, and it seems to carry through to adulthood, uh, even to the degree that their contrary upbringing, upbringing condition could have uh, influenced it. Mark Williams says, I think role models affect positivity and hopefulness over the years, especially parental uh, role models. And uh, Daniel Lopez, he says, my family has six siblings, two in jail, three are normal, one's a doctor, but so many traumas in our family that seem to impact that. So to look at that, and so even though we would say, even if we would say choice, that just like anything, we may, there are some realities to, in, in, let's just say, how about if I just cash it under influence, the struggle and the propensity uh, towards negativity, towards hurt, that make it more difficult. So I think in some sense, I'm just kind of wanting to have some compassion and say, yeah, that's, it's, it's not just as easy as saying, oh, choice. Man, some people have a harder path to follow. What do you think? 100%. And, and this is kind of an inside Ziegler family joke. Uh, and I'm going to tell it from my perspective. Dad came to me one time and he, and he, he said, hey, I just saw your report card. And I see on the final, uh, <laughs> you know, you didn't do well. You, you you made a D in the final. What happened? And I said, Dad, I, what do you think it is? Do you think it's environment or genetics? <laughs> <laughs> of course, Zig Ziglar's son didn't actually say yeah, that. So, yeah. so what we're really talking about is I think it's with any type of pre uh you know, disposition towards sure. something, right? Is it genetic? Is it the way we're born, wired, and so on? Or is it environment? Uh, the input that we had, the nature, the who we were raised around, and the influencers, the trauma that we had. And I actually think it's, it's both. I, I think uh, not that I'm a scientist or a doctor and I've studied into it, but what I've read along the way says that, you know, our, our brain is kind of wired to protect us. We are always vigilant for things that cause us pain. And I remember in sales, we went through this uh, course called uh, uh, behavioral science research. And it was talking about uh, people who have phone aversion, right? They just don't like making cold calls. They don't like picking up the phone and calling people that they had. And, and there was different types of call reluctance. You could have call reluctance calling uh, somebody who was like a CEO or very high up on the totem pole. So you had a fear of talking to somebody above you in the power chain, right? Well, one of the uh, fears that they said that there was some connection to People with call reluctance who really had it bad, they dug into their past. And some of these people, when they were learning to walk, they, as a baby, as a toddler, they fell and injured themselves. And so their baby mind said, the world hurts. Wow. And so any time they were, uh, they had anxiety and fear of doing anything outside of what they were very familiar with or that they'd had experience with that could cause them pain in the form of physical pain, rejection, emotion, or whatever. And so this is what I've seen because literally tens of thousands of people, probably millions of people by now, if you count online, but definitely in the hundreds of thousands of people 
that we've interacted with at seminars and events and online things. I mean, we're talking emails and conversations and, you know, in group settings and stuff like that. Some people are just more predisposed, wired to be a little bit more skeptical, a little bit uh, nervous about the outside world. It's not right or wrong. It's just that's their their makeup. Another percentage of people, um, they've, and this is something that I've really had to learn and grow in. Growing up, you think that the way your family thinks is just the way everybody thinks. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I would come across people and I would be, I'd, I'd be listening, to, and I'm kind of an introvert. I'm an S personality, so I don't like conflict. I don't like hurting feelings. So they would tell me something, and in my head I'd be going, man, that's crazy. How could you ever think that way? And of course, I grew up in the Garden of Eden, Eden of, of positive reinforcement and thought, right? Uh, and now I've heard so many stories mm-hmm. that when I hear about some behavior or some attitude towards something, my initial thought is, oh my goodness, what, what kind of pain or what kind of, what kind of situation did they come out of that caused that? Yeah. And so I go back to this uh, thought, which is, look, I'm going to give like all the grace in the world. I mean, you can be as negative and as skeptical and everything else in the world. And there's probably something underneath there that drove that right back to that toddler falling down, hurting themselves, learning to walk. I mean, that's, <laughs> this was a scientific research study on that one specific case. Not, you know, which to me is nothing compared to intentional emotional trauma that could be put on somebody Mm -hmm. (laughs) later in life. And then I always come back to this notion, and that is we have a brain, which is the way we're wired, and it's the structure. And then we have a mind, which tells our brain what to do. And there's this play inside that we have to take ownership of. And that is we've got to take ownership of our mind, giving our brain the instruction. And so in my own personal battle with popcorn, I'm predisposed to go eat all the popcorn we got in the house. Of course. And so in order to avoid that situation from happening, I have to remove the popcorn from the house. And so this is what I would say, you know, the quote in that clip was a positive attitude won't let you do anything, but it'll let you do everything better than a negative attitude will. And so I want people to be very realistic. Will the right attitude towards life, towards other people, towards situations, will having the right attitude and how you respond to situations give you a better chance for success? Absolutely. And everybody's going to say yes. Right. So now the question is, okay, you said that, do you own it? And if you own it, are you willing to get so self-aware of the things that set you off or lift you up that you start intentionally creating the environment? Yeah. Now I'm going to give this as an example. Dad had Alzheimer's and in Alzheimer's, It's very common for, as the disease progresses, for uh, emotions to get out of control, the people to strike out in anger, to say things they never would have said in their right mind. And it's a disease and it's awful. There's nothing you can do about it. 
dad didn't have those things. And I thought more than one time, was it because he wired his brain for gratitude literally every single day for 50 plus years of his life? I wondered, did that intentional rewiring of his brain allow that part of the disease to be held at bay? I don't know. We'll never know. But I will tell you this, that you will come across people who have every reason to be bitter and negative and angry and reactive. Uh, And they're still in the fire. They're still being abused. And they've got this disposition, this personality that is hope-filled and gracious and kind and loving. And I think it all boils down to they internally said, you know what, (laughs) I can't control what happened to me, but I can control how I respond to that. And so I think that's the crux of it here. Some people have a more difficult uh, road than others, just like some people hit the genetic lottery. They can eat kind of what they want and they have a metabolism that runs pretty quick. Uh, moving fast and exercise is something that's just been a part of their life and they just continue to do it and they never have a weight problem. And then I know other people who, man, it is a, a, a hundred, you know, it's a 24 hour a day battle and they, they work out and eat better than those other people I just talked about. <laughs> hey, that, that's, that's Randy and me, Dr. Randy James, our doc. I exercise more. I eat less and I have, not twice as much, but I've you know, more, more body fat than the guy does. He's just, you know, it's just, it, so it is. So I have to adjust to that. And that's some of the point that I wanted to have compassion for on this, as opposed to just saying, Oh, you know, being positive, being hopeful, it's just choice. Okay. Even if we believe that, or, or if we would, we would want to believe that, that it is difficult. I mean, you t- for more difficult for some people, you talk about brain wiring and as you're a kid, I think this is the issue that comes up. We think that means Tom Ziegler is born and your brain is already hardwired or not to be more positive or be more negative. And we can debate that and debate genetics and in utero, you know, issues and whatever. But I, my experience is what has the most to do with it is that programming was, was Zig Ziegler and his wife, did they surround you with positivity or negativity? And how did that literally wire your brain, program your brain? And then that's what you start going forward with in your own life and into adulthood and whatnot that we just all that happened to us. We're all victims, good or bad of that. And, and to realize, man, my brain is more wired this way. So when you look at this question on being positive, being hopeful, having high expectations, all these things and realize, man, that is really a struggle for me. Well, maybe look at why, maybe look at why and, and, and make, make, uh, just be aware of that. You're choosing your faith in, yeah, that people are out to get you. Let's say a scarcity mindset that came from trauma or just from negative input in your upbringing that created a faith, not a fact, doesn't mean that people are out to get you, but it created a faith that people are out to get you. And maybe you were in environment, an environment that where there were more, were more people that were, that were of that propensity as well. 
this is then saying, I want to choose to believe something different. And I know that's hard. It is bumping up against the wiring of my faith, whether that is natural out of the womb, whether it was programmed. I don't know that that matters at this point. It's in the past. Can't change it, but we can change going forward. But just that, that this is, and I'll, back to Tom Ziegler's, we want to have the highest standards, but can we have the deepest grace as well to have grace? If you know that this is a struggle that as Jennifer said, that you are striving to be more positive, to have more hope. And it is a daily struggle, as she said, like trying to use your non dominant hand. You are listening to the Ziegler show in this episode on the hard work of positive thinking. Uh, next, we get more into the wiring and programming of our upbringing and how this impacts our privilege or handicap regarding the practice of a positive thinking. Of course, it would be great to start a business with millions of customers already on your website. That is what Amazon FBA, uh, Fulfillment by Amazon, that's what they offer. FBA is a program that Amazon started where they lend their entire fulfillment network to their sellers. That means they pick, pack, and ship your products, handle returns, and customer service. Amazon FBA is for anyone wanting to start a business. Helium 10 is an all-in-one software tool for entrepreneurs to help them start, build, and grow a business on Amazon. Helium 10 has served over 1 million users worldwide. They track over 2 billion products on Amazon. And Helium 10 has over 30 tools to help you research, start, and manage your business on Amazon. You can learn the right way to sell on on Amazon from the start. Learn everything you need to know about an Amazon business from how to find a product, create a listing, grow your sales, and more. A big lesson that I learned in online business is the power of continuity, meaning if you're selling and shipping products, nobody does it more or better than Amazon. So their structure is what people trust. So if you use Helium 10, you not only harness their help and customers, but the trust so many people have with them, millions. You can start your own journey and build your business on Amazon today. Helium 10 has a really stout offer for you. Ziggler listeners get 50% off their first month of Helium 10 Platinum uh, when you go to helium10.com. That's the numeral 10, helium10.com. Use the code Ziggler when you check out helium10.com, code Ziggler. I grew up, Tom, like you did. I don't know anything but a positive outlook on life, an expectant outlook on life, a hopeful outlook on life. Obviously I'm, I'm hitting at this root though in personal development, in self-help, in health and wellness industry. I think we can easily have someone like me, like you that grew up in that and just say, well, come on folks, just think positive, be hopeful. Are you kidding? And, and we pronounce the wiring that we, and the training that we got and it, cause it seems second nature to us, first nature. And we were, well, you said won the genetic lottery. We, it was a gift. It was a blessing. It was a privilege to go to the stuff that we've been talking about in our culture right now in regards to race and whatnot, that it's a privilege. I am well aware that as a six foot tall, white American male, I am at the height of privilege. I can claim nothing. It was as a privilege. I, I just, as a privilege, not my fault. And I can't claim that I earned it either. It just is that we grew up in a home of positivity that is a privilege. So if you're hearing this and saying like so many feeling like, okay, yeah, I, th I think it's a choice. It should be a choice. I want it to be a choice. Don't we all want it to be? We don't want to be victims and say, nope, you, you know, it's either you are, or you're not we say it's a choice. 
that you are, will do well to look and, and understand if it is a difficult choice for you to walk out. Why? To be aware of that and to be, and, and again, here we, so here we are with grace and compassion to that and say, man, you've got a harder uh, path to, to follow. Just like you said, Tom, some people have more propensity to put on weight, keep on weight than others do. And we can go down the line of everything and say, man, it's just, yeah, I am, I am well built for some reason for endurance sports. They come easy to me. I, I it just, it just fits me. I don't to weightlifting and you can look at body types and whatnot. Doesn't mean I can't gain muscle and, uh, uh somebody that doesn't have my propensity can't gain endurance, but it's going to be more difficult. So on this aspect, so it's a choice, Tom Marvin, he says, it's a choice. We have propensities, but anyone can choose. It may be more work, but a choice. Nonetheless, cat, um, I choose to be hopeful, but she says, I'm not inherently a happier, non-judgmental per person. It's work, but it's worth the effort and far better than the alternative negativity and hopelessness, which leads to dark places. Why choose that when we have the ability to choose better for ourselves? Viktor Frankl comes to mind as an awesome example who wrote man's search for meaning. If you don't know that book, if you don't own that book, I would recommend it. Joe Pellerito, he says, perhaps the question should be, what would it mean if it's not a choice? I love that. It's, that's a scary notion to think that it's not a choice. Chris, definitely a choice. Uh, Callan, it's a choice. As the wise Zig said, you are who you are and where you are uh, because of what you have put into your mind. This is paraphrasing there. But we've got a whole list of people that said by choice, by choice, by choice. Uh, David Power says both, but it depends on the person. She says, he says, I have to choose to be, and sometimes it's hard. So again, we're looking at this. I, this is why I wanted to hit Tom, this root of this industry of personal development and self-help. This is the category of podcasting that the Zig Ziglar show is in, in iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and whatever is in here. And we all have heard that there's the choice to be positive, be positive, be hopeful, Man, in the real world, the day-to-day, when that thing happens, when that trigger happens, when that, you said something about that, when that trigger happens that maybe you relate to something in your past or whatnot, and it's difficult to choose, choose to grab onto like a lifeline and say, I am not, I'm scared to go the other way of negativity and hopelessness, but man, it's, I, I'm having to choose a faith. I, I like, I really like that perspective. I am having to make the choice to choose this faith. I may not feel it inside, but my gosh, maybe that's, maybe that's a great anchor for this, Tom. I mean, what is the alternative? How scary is that? And it's terrifying. Yeah. So let's, let's start with the definition. Um, because the more you lean towards the, the negative, okay. So either, you're just kind of wired that way and you, and you think immediately what could go wrong here or what do they want? Or you had a, an experience uh, in your life where you were victimized, right? You were, you, something happened to you uh, and it's made you think twice. So if that's kind of the way you lean, the first thing I want you to do is to change the definition of success success has nothing to do with what anybody else is doing. Cause what happens is, is we're like, 
we have a thought or we do something and we go, oh man, why did I say that? Why did I do that? I always do that. You know, I never, this, these things don't always happen to me. I always lose the deal at the last minute. You know, why even bother? Those, that's, that's how that negative train gets going. And you're saying that because you compare it to all these other people that you don't know. Well, look at them. I mean, they, how come they're always number one? How come they always get the sale? How come they always get the good leads or the break or, you know, how come people come to them with ideas and opportunities and they don't come to me, right? And so what we do is we compare our success against their success. But what we're really doing is we're comparing the whole story that we have with just the tip of the iceberg and what, they, what we see of them. And so dad had this definition. He said, success is the maximum utilization of the ability that God gave you. That's it. And so what does this do? It gives us a baseline. It gives us a place to work from. And so if you take ownership that how I respond to life is a choice, and I agree that a positive attitude. Now, look, uh, this is this is clear. You know, it's it's not negative to identify a problem. You see, let me tell you, who I get really nervous with. I get really nervous doing a business deal with someone who only sees the possibilities. I get really nervous with that. <laughs> uh, Tom, uh, if they don't come. It, it, no, I just I want to pull that out. That's interesting because I have a, I have a history of doing that, especially if you're trying to sell something, sell an idea, whatever. And all I do is give that. And then I learned which, where you're going, that that's to somebody who's sitting there, who you're trying to get to buy, to invest, to whatever. That's scary to them. And I've learned to do the, not to do the opposite, but to be very forthright with the risks as well. Like the, uh, the, what is it? The SWOT analysis. So it's interesting yeah. to hear you say that because I've been guilty of that for sure. So let me tell you who I love to do somebody, somebody who sees all the possibilities. And then they said, not only that, but here are the five things that could go wrong. Yeah. Right. And then they say on number one, we have 70% control of that. On number two, we have 30% control. On number three, we have 60% control. On number five, we have 0% control, right? And so now it's like, okay, these are the things that can go wrong. And they say, here are the five things that could go wrong. We have a lot of control over these three. We've got a little bit of control on this one and none on this one. And then here is how we solve the problem and the three that we have a, a good, uh, this is what we're gonna do to prevent these from happening, okay? So dad said this, he said, it's not negative to identify a problem. That's positive. It's only negative if you stay focused on the problem. And so then when that person says, here's the upside, here's everything that we could do, here are the five potential uh, things that could come across that could really go wrong. Three of them, we have a lot of control. And here's the plan on each one of those three that, we, that we're gonna implement to mitigate these. And so now we're just dealing with this and this. Are you comfortable with that? That's who I like to do deals with. Yeah. That's who I like to have partnerships with. Uh, you know, a great agreement clearly identifies not only what happens when everything goes right, but even more importantly, especially in business relationships, what happens when things go wrong? Not that we're planning on it to go wrong, 
but that we've put a thinking around it. Okay. So, so here we are, we have this new definition of success. It's what I can control. And so now in my life, if I want as much fulfillment in my life as possible, if I want the Ziegler definition of balanced success, if I want great relationships, good health, you know, financial success, all those different things, then I know that my attitude and my demeanor and the way I handle difficult situations is going to be real important to my fulfillment in those areas. Then I can put together a plan to eliminate as many of those potential downsides that are unique to me. And so this next one, I'll just call it TAR, T-A-R. So, New definition of success, step one. Number two is a TAR, which is stands for trigger, action, reward. So I'm talking about trigger in a positive way. So those of you who thought trigger, oh no, I'm upset. Okay, you're the you're the 50 plus percent who are on the negative side. No, I'm just kidding. Right. Trigger in this case is positive, okay? So what you do is you decide what is it do I want to develop in myself? What do I want to accomplish that's going to take me closer to this balanced success, fulfillment. It's going to make me easier to handle uh, pressure pack situations, to respond instead of react. You say, okay, I'm going to build that in me. So the first thing you do is you create a trigger. So maybe your trigger is simply on your calendar. It pops up every day. You've got a, you know, you've got a time capsule for 30 minutes or an hour every day at a certain time where that's what you're going to work on. And it could be a gratitude list. It it doesn't matter. It's up to you. It it could be exercise. It could be reading a book that's going to take your thinking and your your emotions and your your thoughts to a new level, right? So that's the trigger. You you plug it in your schedule. You, You do the action immediately. When that thing pops up, you do it. And then you reward yourself with something. Now, some of you have been listening to the last month or so. And so, you know, that's what I did to write the book. I put the thing on my calendar. Hey, I'm going to write. My commitment was I'm going to write a thousand words before I eat. So the trigger said it's time to write. I wrote and then I got to eat. No writing, no eating. Mm -hmm. It's a powerful combination. Um, I know people who have had different addictions and they owned it. And they said, you know what? I just, when I travel, I tell them to take the TV out of my room. When I travel, I tell them to empty the wet bar. When I travel, hey, you know what? That's what you got to do. Well, if your emotional reaction to people is hurting relationships and holding you back, then you've got to have that same kind of thought process. Okay, what can I do to short circuit that? And then there, uh, the last story is uh, one of dad's friends. They communicated a lot. He's a psychologist and he works with uh bipolar and multi-personality disorder folks. So it's a very, um, it's, it's a very tough group to work with, right? Because the nature of bipolar is as soon as the medication starts to work, you think you don't need it anymore and you go off of it, right? Cause it takes the, it, there's something that goes on and then multiple personality. I don't even know what, what that is, but I can only imagine <laughs> When you're working with somebody, who are you working with today, right? Right. And so what he does is part of his prescription is he has them listen to Zig Ziglar audio 
in the first part of the day, he says, hey, 30 minutes early in the morning, I want you to listen to some Zig. And I asked him, what are you doing? And he said, look, if I could get the brain thinking in the right direction at the beginning of the day, it's far more likely to continue in that direction. He said, where my patients get into trouble is they have a setback or they have a thought and it leads to the next negative thought and it leads to the next negative thought and soon they spiral down the death spiral. Yeah. And then they have an event. And so all I'm doing is trying to get their brain intentionally going in the right direction so that they have a better chance, no matter what life brings, to have a response that keeps them from going in the wrong direction. You know what? That's a prescription for everybody listening to this. It's Romans 12, too. It's the renewing of the mind. It's yeah. focusing on who we are, whose we are, and how we can step into that. And so, yeah, um, I think Paul talked about the thorn in the, his side. You know, there's every single one of us has our own affliction. There's some, there's some things that people do regularly that I could never do. But there are other things that I struggle with that I know that other people would never do. So we're all, we've all kind of got our own battles. So how do we win it? I love that, that idea. Hey, what's the definition of success? It's, did I do all I could today? Did I grow a little bit today? Did I, did, did I specifically intentionally grow that area of my life today? Yeah. You use the word focus so many times in there. And Dan Brandenburg, I know Dan, incredibly insightful, intelligent guy. And he said he was citing a book that he said he couldn't remember what it was that he's been, he, he had been reading recently. And it was talking about free will and that a primary component of free will that we can have control over is where we give our attention. Do we place our attention on this or that? When we pay attention to something, it grows and we see outcomes and consequences. So that where we put our attention. So the event happens that we may not have control over. Our initial reaction happens, and that's not a sin. That's not a wrong. That is, that is valid, our, our feeling. And what I've had to learn also, Tom, is to allow myself to feel that feeling. If it's negative, to not just immediately reject it. I mean, you may need to so you can respond better. But if it's something that's hurtful, Something that is troubling, something that is worrying, that to allow myself a moment, whether it's the five-second rule or the five-minute rule or the five-hour or whatever it may need to be for you, uh, but to, to feel it. But then I do get to choose what am I going to, you said the word focus so many times, Dan was referencing attention. What am I going to choose my, to put my attention to, to give my focus to and that it's only going to be negative. If I continue, you said that if I continue to focus on the problem, focus on the negative. So where am I going to choose and say, you know what, that hurts. That is troubling, but I'm going to choose to put my focus over here. And I'm back to that word that I like is faith, uh, is the, where do I choose? Our faith is a choice. So where am I going to choose to give my faith and try to reframe that. I'm grateful for my parents who uh, often made popular in my life, the idea of here's a problem 
and that a it, it's a it's a an opportunity for a solution. A problem is an opportunity for a solution. And that can sound Pollyanna, but again, what's the opposite? So if you don't like that, what is the opposite of that? And in later years, they've really brought forth to me their perspective of looking at something, a problem, a literal problem and saying, okay, but what does this make possible? What, how can I try to reframe this? Or, or again, where can I give attention, focus to positivity, to hope as a result of this? Because it, whatever happened, it is, I can't change it. I can just change again, my attention, my focus, and then my ultimate response. So I like this vein that we've gone down, Tom, because it's really giving us freedom to not look at the question, even as I posed it, of positivity and hope, that it's something that we work out. If I want to let it be negative, I can choose to let it be negative, but I can also work out the opportunity for it to be positive, for it to be hopeful, for me to find the light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, no different than if I want to have big biceps, I got to work them out every single day. It's a proactive, intentional thing that's not super easy. And I'm going to give, I'm grateful that I read Jennifer's comment where she said, man, I think we just have inherent propensities in, F, in essence, is my paraphrasing. And we have to look at that. We would be well served to look at that and then still say, man, but success, the opportunity for success is over here on the side of positivity and hope, but I'm going to have to work that out. And it's going to be harder for some than others. It's going to be easier for some than others. But yeah, maybe the thing that sticks out to me most, Tom, is what, is what somebody said is, yeah, but what's the opposite? What's the alternative? It's, it's death. It's terrible. It's like choosing to be, I, we're all going to be victimized at some point but we can choose to go forth as a victim or, or not. We're all going to be triggered as you said, but we do get to choose that response. So I, I, I to me, that feels more freeing. It, get, it feels more control to say, Hey, regardless of whether it's inherent or not, we all have to choose maybe harder for some than others, but man, life. And as you said, success is only on the other side of choosing hope and positivity, man, these, these people are smart, Tom. Uh, they make these shows rich and, uh, it's, it's, it's a gift to do these and hear the different perspectives that I think really bring to light the truth of how we can walk these attributes out towards, as you said, success, which give that definition again of success. Success is the maximum utilization of the abilities that God gave you. Maximum utilization. And I have the ability. we're all unique. We're all unique. Yeah. Yeah. And we all have the ability to choose we're where, where we're going to give our attention. All right. Well, let's give our attention to the hope and positivity of the day. What do you say? Amen. Friends, I really hope this episode gave you new perspective on your efforts to practice positive thinking and especially be better understanding uh, if, if you feel this is hard for you, harder than it should be even. Have some grace for yourself. Let that grace allow you to recover from negative thinking and reframe what is challenging you. Coming up in episode 883, I have a really important and interesting topic. You should well be aware of how your physical body language affects relating to people, right? 
But in our increasingly digital age right now, how about your digital body language? I see so many people go awry here, and I'm sure I do as well. That's why I brought on Erica Dewan. She's a leadership expert. Uh, this is her focus, and I invited her on to school us on how we are helping and hurting our relationships with our digital communication. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.